Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is On the Block with Stricken Austin. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three! And you're going to go out of here as the Big 8 tournament champion. Middle school basketball coaching legend and Duke basketball shooting coach in his mind, Austin Orman. Coming at you live from the heart of Lincoln, America, on air and online at theticketfm.com. Brought to you by Mary Ellen's Food for the Soul. This is On the Block with Stricken Austin. Welcome back to On the Block on this snowy, snowy, cold uh, Friday. And it's not a yay on it this day, but it's okay. Friday, yay, yay, yay. Something. <laughs> Something. Friday, day. I don't know, but uh, yeah. Mm. It's cold. It's cold. I just, it, it, it looks different. Like, just think about when we were back at 48th. And um, and R, right? How we didn't really see anything. We were locked in stock back in the back. You know, you kind of go about your business, but boy, oh boy, it's thrown right in our face <laughs> right here at 11th and O. Can you imagine that hill in the snow? <laughs> oh my gosh. Stricky. Yeah. Uh-uh. Good I'm sledding. going the back way. But yeah. Back way. Yeah. No, we're not going Pops. back the hill. Okay. Let's get back into it. We, uh, we started on the crossover talking about the Caleb DeBoer uh potential i listen it it's it's basically going down uh they're negotiating the terms um one question before we dig deep into that and 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 the why's and and why does it make sense and all of that stuff by it but here's the thing does the money where do you think the money goes like how big is it I, do they go as high as sabin or do they kind of go no, where no, he's no, at no. and just make it a lateral move with him? Because that's something to think about, right? Is is it all about the money to get him to leave, or is it just the better the better program that maybe would get him to leave? Better opportunity? Because I did understand Rico in saying how it's difficult with everybody now that has left the program going into a new program. But I liked his. His thought process in saying, mm-hmm. coming to a new program, the expectations with the losses are not as harsh on you. Mm-hmm. But I still think it's like starting from ground zero, uh, so forth and so on. So I can understand kind of drop dropping yourself into a, like like Fortnite, into the <laughs> <Right>. hot zone <laughs> uh-huh. of where it is that you would be able to draw all that you need. Mm-hmm. And it's already a ready-made pretty much team outside of those who have departed by mm-hmm. way of the transfer portal. Uh, we'll start with this. Steve on the YouTube stream asked, what is DeBoer's buyout? Not that it really matters to Alabama. $12 million is the number that Bama will, will pay to Washington to hire their coach away. So $12 million. Uh, Saban was making eleven four last year. Kirby, ten seven. Obviously, millions and then hundreds of thousands of dollars. Brian Kelly at nine point nine seven. You have Jimbo Fisher, who is making 9.15. Mark Stoops at 9. Heupel, Kiffin at 9. Alabama can pay top dollar 
but I don't think they necessarily have to, right? DeBoer was making 4.2 mil a year at Washington the last couple, which is good money. That would put him, um, obviously Sarkeesian, and I think Venables is making more too. In last year's SEC, though, that would have been ahead of only Clark Lee at Vanderbilt and Zach Arnett at Mississippi State. They're gonna they're gonna do better now. I think I think I think the range is gonna be between eight seven five and eight seven five and eight. Okay, that would put him between Billy Napier and Lane Kiffin, um, below Sarkeesian. I I think, and then probably about Venables territory if I had to guess. Well, well, do you think he gets probably a bump a little bit higher? Like I just now that I think about it, being that you took your team to the big game. Mm-hmm. And so, as a negotiating tactic, if I'm his agent, I'm saying, "Hey, I just took my team." It's funny. Maybe that gives me a bump. I don't know. I'm just, I'm oh, just, it definitely does. It. It's funny you mentioned the agent though. Jimmy Sexton was Nick Saban's agent. Mm. He's Kalen DeBoer's agent, but guess what? He's Steve Sarkeesian's agent and Mike Norvell's agent too. Mm. Got his dudes. Got a dude retired. Got two of his dudes paid, and then placed one of his other guys. At Alabama. So that's an incredible job of agenting yeah. by Jimmy Sexton. My thing, though, is Kalen DeBoer is going to get a nice pay bump. Will it double? Maybe. I think that's probably what you're saying, you know, from, from 4-2 to 7-5 or 8. Double makes sense. But if I'm Kalen DeBoer, whatever it is, you're not paying me. The difference between Saban's salary and DeBoer's salary goes into the assistant the coaching pool. Right. It goes into maintaining recruiting staffing mm-hmm. because Kalen DeBoer has never done it at this high a level. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say he skipped any steps, right? Because he worked his way up from the University of Sioux Falls to Eastern Michigan to you know, like Fresno in, in Indiana, back to Fresno, now up to Washington. Like he stopped at every level. Hasn't been anywhere longer than five years, I don't think, outside of his, his alma mater at, at Sioux Falls. He's bounced around quite a bit. And this Washington roster strict wasn't really his. He was only there for two years. Even in the transfer portal day and age, it's hard for a guy to leave a mark in terms of the talent in a program in two years. He brought Penix with it. That, that's a testament. And what does that go back to? Relationships. Relationships, but also you win if you hit. At a quarterback. At a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I think he has a good one in Jalen Milrow. Can he reach Penix level? Remains to be seen. But Kalen DeBoer has never done big boy recruiting consistently. Whereas that was Nick Saban's focus, was recruiting. I mean, there's the, the story about his first meeting. Everyone in the building, not just coaches, but you know janitors, cooks, everyone in the building is at the same meeting saying everything we do is focused on recruiting. Everything we do is a reflection of the program and can be taken in either a positive light or a negative light. Everyone who's here right now and everyone we hire has to think through the lens of recruiting. Kalen DeBoer hasn't had to do it at that level. It's been, it's difficult to recruit at the level Nick Saban does, which is why really only Kirby Smart has done it. Maybe throw Ohio State in there to some degree. But Kalen DeBoer is in for some culture shock in terms of, I think, what it takes, the caliber of player, because not only was Nick Saban you know, a developmental coach, he added that recruiting piece on maybe better than it is we've ever seen. So if Kalen DeBoer can get the best out of whatever remains on the Alabama roster, they'll be fine for a couple years. But again, Strick, if he's there three, four, five years, that's when we'll see if he truly has the SEC chops. Steve, uh, Steve Dean on the uh, YouTube stream throws out, he says he agrees with you. He says, that's what I'm thinking too, Austin. Coaches, he's going to need 
to bring in some con- uh, continuity, basically, with uh, mm-hmm. that program. And I think it's going to be a time thing. It's going to take time um, mm-hmm. because they, one, you kind of can get an idea, depending on what OC he brings with him, you can kind of get an idea of what style that they're mm-hmm. going to play. Now, can you bring a Washington type of style? I think it depends on your quarterback. I think I, uh, that's where we're talking about between the difference between scheme and um, a system. Mm-hmm. Like you, you're going to have to be probably pliable because to me, I think Milrose okay. I don't think he's at the level and that has a level of accuracy. I don't think nor the ability to throw the way that Penix did, mm-hmm. you know, off back foot, different types of angles, not even Bryce Young. timing. Yeah. I, I don't think he has that. So when, when I, when I look, they're going to have to figure out the style. So I don't know if he's he probably good for him to get in early, mm-hmm. figure out who he's going to have and what in the rooms, uh, think about that and process that. And then mm-hmm. figure out based on those, those style adjustments that he wants to make, I just don't know if he can bring that to an Alabama team with the quarterback that he has. He's still going to want to run. He's still going to want to do certain things. But you're not going to run Milrow off, right? If he decides to transfer because DeBoer says you're not a fit for our style, we want to bring, say, Will Rogers with us, that's one thing. But here's the thing. I think Jalen Milrow's, you know, top five Heisman odds for next year already. He's a good player. Yeah. It would be an incredibly gutsy, gutsy call to say... Now we're bringing our own quarterback with us. Might be the right call, might be the wrong call. But I think they're going to work to retain Jalen Milrow because of the locker room factor strike. This is a guy that might know a couple guys on the roster through vague recruiting ties, might bring a couple guys with him. But that's the same conversation we had about why I thought it would have been wise for Matt Rule to keep Casey Thompson around here in Lincoln, the locker room, right? To, to have a pulse, to know the guys, be the leader of the team, I think you want Jalen Milrow for kind of the the soft factors side, the human element that we talk about all the time on this show. And you trust whoever your OC is. If Ryan Grubb, you know, decides to make that jump to Alabama's coordinator instead of taking a a head coaching job somewhere, that's great. I I think having those two guys, that offensive brain trust together, can function a top 10 offense with Jalen Milrow and the, the kind of talent that Alabama has. But if... Kalen DeBoer says, hey, Tommy Reese, you can stick around. I don't know if I'm sold on that. And then it's another acclimation process. It's another person trying to learn how to use this team. But my bigger question, Strick, is we know Washington's offensive line was good. Joe Moore Award, you know, winning. Mm-hmm. Dethroned Michigan, but got eaten up by Michigan. Michigan had an NFL caliber defensive line this year. You see that pretty much week in, week out in the SEC. Can he rebuild and build an offensive line worthy of the SEC? And then the defense strike. We saw what Texas did to them when they tried to run the ball. And then what Michigan did. Ran for eight yards a pop on Washington. You're telling me that Georgia isn't licking its chops at that? Even Ole Miss, I know they just lost Quinchon Judkins, a Schrader from Missouri, isn't saying, yeah, give me some of that? Yeah. Here's a, here's the thing. The, the quick, quick jump, because you said something. Judkins. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me that Ohio State now has seen the blueprint of how they've gotten their butts beat over mm-hmm. the last, that they're not figuring out that, you know what, we need to be studs here mm-hmm. in the run game. Mm-hmm. 
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The only thing you have to watch out for the Judkins situation is you don't want it to be a cancerous in the locker room situation, similar to what was going down in Ole Miss, allegedly, what some of the people were saying mm-hmm. in the way that he addressed players. You you just, that's that's the risk you take when you bring in a uh, 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 a heavy personality and somebody who, you know, comes in and demands and commands room authority and so forth and mm-hmm. has a a reputation of drawing his jump, you know, chirping and drawing his jaws, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. We, we talk so much about Ohio State as, you know, one of the quarterback factories, deservedly so. And recently the wide receiver factory, because Brian Hartline has done an incredible job recruiting and developing receivers at Ohio State. But Strick, think about who the story was when Ohio State won that title in 2014. You had Cardale Jones, but Zeke Elliott was eaten. Before him, you had Carlos Hyde. Then you go to mm-hmm. like like a J.K. Dobbins, and there are other guys down the line. Travion Henderson, good. Trey Sermon for his year transferring, fine. Mayan Williams, I guess we'll see. Ohio State has gotten away, away from some of the run game. Like They yeah. should know how important it is because when, when they were dominating the conference— they had the best or second best running back in the conference right there with Wisconsin yeah. who built its identity on running the ball. Urban had that down. I think Ryan Day's lost that. Lost his way in that department. Let's uh great stuff. And then you can chime in 402-464-5685 there on the Sauter Heyman text line with your thoughts uh as well with regards to what we've been talking about. Um but let's shift now. Let's start with the NFC because we're going to get into uh the NFL playoffs as <laughs> Across the country right now, mm-hmm. the NF- this is going to be an interesting uh, start to the playoffs. It is stacked, though, with uh, tremendous and great matchups that are now going to be um, put into place. We've talked about those on, on many of instances. But we are going to start. Um, we're going to start in the uh, NFC. We're going to start there. Going into the NFC, a matchup that we've talked about that I still think has Huge implications in so many ways. I still think they'll pull it out, though. Um, you got to watch for the Cowboys and the Packers. Um, their normal games against each other are always memorable, mm-hmm. um, whether it be in the tundra or whether it be in the old uh, stadium down there mm-hmm. in, in Dallas, the old um, uh, stadium before they really started playing in Jerry Jerry's world. world. Um you have a Dak Prescott who has obviously been in, stuck in limbo, it seems to be, or in in what they would say as a Catholic. Uh, when when you uh, go through that, that purgatory, purgatory, and you're stuck in pur- he seems to be stuck in purgatory. You don't know how this is. This is, I think, a necessary year for him to break loose and break out. 
can't just go first round, second round. He needs to go deep if he, if he wants to even feel good about still being there as a Dallas Cowboy head quarterback for the uh, franchise of the nation, the American team. <laughs> and then you Jordan Love, who's trying to make his name. Mm-hmm. So this is what's what's coming down the pipe, and you've got tremendous defense on the side of the Cowboys. Great offensive weapon, CeeDee Lamb, and the work that he mm-hmm. did this year is absolutely phenomenal. Running game is pretty solid. They've got a you know a mixture of guys, Tony Pollard, and 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 you know they one or two, three, four guys they run out mm-hmm. there. So, what do you see in this matchup? Do you like? Is it a good matchup? And where does ultimately McCarthy fall if he falls short against this team? It's a great matchup. I mean, two storied franchises in the Mike McCarthy Bowl. Uh, we know Mike McCarthy led Green Bay to that Super Bowl win with Aaron Rodgers, and that's really been it in terms of high-level postseason success for him. The flip side of that, Dallas Strick, guess the last time they made a conference championship game. Guess I want to say conference championship. I want to say early 2010s. Hasn't happened since 1996. It's been I was long? not alive. The last time Dallas reached the NFC Championship game straight. Oh, wow. That happened two years before I was born. Okay, it's been a minute for the Cowboys. Whether or not Mike McCarthy should be, you know, fired or let go after this, that's, you know, I don't even want to say reasonable minds, right? Because it's all up to Jerry Jones. You know, what's Jerry feeling right now? Does he want to, you know, move Kellen Moore into that role? Does he think he can go, you know, finally overpay Sean Payton to get him out of Denver Who knows? I don't think Mike McCarthy should be fired if they lose this game, but Dallas has a lot of advantages. Um, They have a fired-up Micah Parsons. NFL All-Pro teams came out today. Parsons was only second team. I think he's going to be motivated to play a big game. You have Deron Bland, who has nowhere nowhere. for the NFL record for pick sixes in a season, but they're playing at home. We talk about that pressure that's just kind of hanging on them. You just always feel like there's that extra little bit of pressure on the scale, Jerry Jones putting his finger on the scale to add a little bit more pressure. The flip side of that is Green Bay's defense has been horrible. Joe Barry has been the butt of many jokes for Packers fans. Uh, Mina Kimes brought up a stat that CeeDee Lamb is like the best receiver, one of the top five receivers in the NFL on slants. Green Bay's the worst defense in the NFL against slants. I see a lot of Dak to CD. I see Tony Pollard to close it out. The only way Green Bay wins this game is if they hit on enough deep shots, right? Get Blay into bite, go past him, get a big run play or two. But here's the other thing, Strick. Nine years ago, Packers-Cowboys, the Des Bryant play, where he oh, caught it, yes. but then he didn't catch it. And they said he didn't catch it. Nine years ago. Yeah, I remember mm-hmm. that play. Wow. Mm-hmm. I still think he caught that ball, to be How honest. did he not catch that I, ball? I, I, yeah, I, I don't, don't know how you can even rule that. Make it make sense. Yeah, that was wild. Um, let's, let's, let's shift on and move on. And we're going to go to this matchup that I still think is interesting. And it's because it's a quarterback duel that everybody's going to be watching intently. And that's the Matthew Stafford and the Jared Goff mm-hmm. because of the switcheroo that happened between both teams. Uh, the Rams didn't think that, uh, Stafford could get it done and, uh, wanted golf. And ultimately the lions got, some would say maybe the better half outside of the sold out went for it all. Uh, the Rams who haven't been the same since they, they mm-hmm. did go all in for a Super Bowl, And now it's this matchup 
of number one overall quarterbacks as they face off there in Detroit. Um, Stafford will, some people are predicting that Stafford's going to go nuts. They think he's going to go for three, 300 plus in this game. Like they think he's going to go nuts. Does he have the weapons to do that? Because if there's not an area that I think that the Rams struggle, I think it's in their secondary. That's fair. I think so. I mean, the Rams have been one of the hotter teams in football, but Detroit's been a bit steadier. A uh, little lull in that kind of early middle part of the season, but they they picked it back up. How perfectly Matthew Stafford would it be for him to go to Ford Field, throw for 350 yards and four touchdowns and still lose the game? Mm-hmm. How many times has he done that in Detroit? Right? I think Detroit is the better, more rounded team at full strength. I mean, they're the franchise that's gone the longest between playoff wins in the NFL right now. Detroit is so super incredibly due but the Rams, they know Jared Goff. They do, inside and out. Yeah. Differently than the Lions know Matt Stafford, right? This is the same coaching staff for the Rams, different coaching staff for the Lions. Um, Dan Campbell's been super aggressive on fourth downs this year. How does that factor into this game? Because I think the Rams are coming in with a lot of momentum, feeling really good about themselves. Two great receivers in Nakua and Cup. Kyron Williams has been going nuts as well. I think this game, strict devolves into a shootout. I think this is a 34-31, you know, 32 type of game. Mm-hmm. Stafford's led a lot of late comebacks, did it in his time in Detroit. I don't know if it's going to be... It's whoever has the ball last is going to win this game, in my opinion. So here's, here's a couple things to note. The Lions have a great rush in by the name, and some would not maybe not like it from where he came, but Aiden Hutchinson, and he finished the season with five sacks. But something else that he has that's tremendous—he has—he's forced he, he and a forced fumble, five sacks and a forced fumble. Mm-hmm. But what's a, a great percentage is almost twenty percent in his pass rush win rate. So that mm-hmm. means if it comes down to that, they better be chipping, they better be blocked, you know, extra making sure there's an extra uh, hand in the game plan there. And on the other side of things, the Lions with David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs, that combination, the Rams allow almost five yards a carry. With Aaron Donald in the middle of your defense. Shouldn't be possible. So if they get if they get up mm-hmm. and they're able then that, you know, just know that they have something they can go to in order to, you know, run the clock, seal the game, and it's that run game with those two gentlemen as well. It sure is. Let's take a break and keep the NFL headlines going. I don't think we need to talk about the Bucks and the Eagles. I'm not super thrilled by that game. Um, I think the only thing to mention on that one, Strick, is Jalen Hurts is having trouble throwing the football. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see the picture of his finger? Yeah, it was ugly. Yeah, nah. Yeah, especially when you're talking about that middle finger, that grip, and then it's cold. Mm-hmm. And, you you know, that, that, that middle finger is part of the – the the last grip that you have when you're trying to spin that ball and uh, it, look in shooting that finger probably doesn't hurt you as bad mm-hmm. but in throwing I think it does mm-hmm. um, in in shooting it's your it's your index and 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 these two end fingers mm-hmm. I think are very important the middle one is just there yeah but in throwing oh gosh you need it that grip strength is strength 
mm-hmm. is necessary, and it comes a lot from that tension and that middle finger. Right. Yeah. AFC storylines, picks, more. Half an hour left on our week here of On the Block. Again, if you get uh, the On the Block 93.7 Twitter account to 50 followers by the end of the day, there's a snowbank with my name on it. Go to Twitter, give it a follow. Appreciate y'all. Uh, hope you're safe at home. Uh, warm, cozy, uh, mug of hot chocolate, tea, whatever it is that is your drink. Or the or, milk coffee. Or the milk coffee, right. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, we appreciate you tuning into 93.7 The Ticket On the Block from home. We'll be right back. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.